Welcome to Hunt, Harvest, Health, the podcast with your host, Ryan Lampers, a.k.a. The Stealthy Hunter. Howdy. And myself, Dr. Hillary Lampers, where we share our love for ancestral living and the health topics of the modern age. You can follow us at HuntHarvestHealth.com, Instagram, and Facebook for more podcasts, recipes, and stories. All right, let's do this. All right, everybody, Happy New Year. I am recording this. It is December 31st, 2018, the last day of the last year. And whoa, what a roller coaster year it has been for my family <laughs> and um, our life and our lifestyle. Uh, as many of you know, we decided last spring that we wanted to make our about decade long dream of moving um, back home to my home state of Montana a reality. And so we had to go through the all the hoops to do that, um, sold our home that we cherished and our land that we cultivated and loved for 20 years. Um, leaving wasn't easy. Um, and, you know, we, but we, we knew that we needed to do that for the happiness of our family. And so we have moved to Montana and we've um, acquired a new beautiful home and some new land. And so we are hoping uh, to be, uh, making it our home in the next years and sharing that with you. So we just want to say from the Lampers, from the Stealthy Household, Happy New Year 2019. We hope that it is a prosperous and health-filled new year for you and your family. And we appreciate you being here, continuing to listen and support us through uh, the big changes that we've had this year. And, and we just hope that we are going to be able to provide uh, continued great content for you um, as we go forward into 2019. So we just wanted to say that. Happy New Year. Hope everybody's ha having some great time with family and friends tonight, enjoying and be safe out there. So I'm excited to share this podcast with all of you today. And it's a, it's a bit of a touchy subject. And I think that it may uh, push a few of your buttons. It may also push a lot of what you've been taught in your life uh, about this medicinal plant. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about cannabis um, with my guest, Matt Kleeman who is the owner and founder of Naturoputics here in Bozeman, Montana. He is an expert in the use of cannabis for medical conditions. And one of his, you know, uh, true loves just based on history um, and helping folks is cancer. And I wanted to talk with him because I started using actual CBD in probably the last year or so, not just with myself with great result, but I started using it with patients, especially autoimmune conditions, pain, anxiety, headaches, and I just seeing phenomenal results. In the biohacking world, in the health world, especially in the plant medicine world, cannabis is not a new topic. This is a topic that um, is is not going to go away. And I think that the evolution of how we are viewing and understanding this medicine um, is pretty phenomenal. I graduated from medical school in 2007, and I don't ever remember one lecture about um, the endocannabinoid system, which me and Matt are going to talk about here in this podcast. And I think this is where the newfound research and uh, about cannabis and how CBD, especially these cannabidiols, um, THC 
CBD, there's a bunch of different forms. Um, these are all considered cannabidiols, and they interact with this endocannabinoid system that's both in our central nervous system and in our immune system. And they help to create homeostasis in the body. What I love about learning more about this plant and if it's used properly, and depending on what type of conditions you have, as well as how you respond to either CBD or THC or the many other different uh, combinations of cannabidiols, even terpenes and, and some of the plant profile we're going to talk about with Matt today is um, how it interacts with this endocannabinoid system and creates balance. The more I talked with Matt and the more I've done research for this podcast, it's like it's a shame what has happened to vilify this plant, especially in the last hundred years. Now, this plant has been on the planet for 5,000 years, at least, that they can see in recorded history. We have lived in harmony with it. And I think that, you know, the vilification of it uh, by the government and then the illegalization of it um, and then taking this plant away from the people to use it medicinally was, I mean, you can just dig into the research. It was purposeful and uh, the government did not want people using this plant as a plant medicine because it has, I think, the capacity to heal a lot of these conditions that we consider to be big money things in medicine. Um, Matt talks a lot today about certain conditions that he's worked with and he's seen benefit with. We have to kind of walk a fine line with what we talk about because federally, cannabis is still legal in the United States. Canada is currently the only G7 country that just made it federally legal across Canada. But there are 10 states where recreational marijuana or cannabis can be used, so you don't need a green card to buy it. You can just go to a dispensary and buy it. Um, And those states, obviously, it's highly regulated by each state, and the taxes and et cetera that go into that are quite quite large. So to get a dispensary in a state like Washington, where it is recreationally legal, is not easy and it's not cheap. So they do kind of keep their, you know, hands still on that. And I guess in that case, it's good as well, you know, keeping quality under control, super important. There are 33 states that allow medical marijuana for medical marijuana use. You can go to, I'll have a link in the show notes of um, a link where you can find the state that you live in and what your, what the requirements are for you to get that uh, medical green card. So for example, if in Montana, cancer is one, HIV AIDS is one, chronic pain is one, PTSD is one, um, Crohn's disease. Um, there's a number of different conditions on there. So if you look at the state that you live in, you can find out um, if you would qualify for the use of a medical marijuana card. I have to tote that line where I can only recommend, um, as a naturopath, I can only recommend that somebody consider using cannabis. I cannot actually prescribe. The great thing is CBD is not illegal. So I can recommend patients to take CBD as long as THC is under a certain amount in the cannabidiol. I mean, it's such an amount you would never even feel it. Um, those CBD products are considered legal and you can buy them in all 50 states. You can buy them offline. You can get them in the stores. So there's no act, you know, there's, there's hardly none or just a tiny bit of THC. So that's why those CBD products are not considered illegal. THC is illegal. And so when you're dealing with THC, especially in a formula, you need to have that medical green card if you don't live in a state that has recreational. The great thing about our podcast guest today, Matt, is that he is so experienced in how 
to work with this plant based on a person's condition. And I think that is what's really important. As a naturopath, we learn so much about plant medicine and using plants to help heal, to create balance, to, um, for so many different reasons. Uh, and what he's done is he's, he's just, he's basically learned over the many years here of working with this plant, how, you know, cancer versus chronic pain versus anxiety, what are the levels that, um, uh, your specific biochemistry would work with in order to help those conditions. And so that's why it was fun talking with him. He's, he's um, really kind of self-taught, even though he was a botany major. Um, he has pretty much dedicated his life now to helping spread the word of cannabis and helping um, those who truly need it in their healing process. So for this podcast, you know, throw out your preconceived notions of what it means, you know, marijuana and cannabis mean for you. And you may find that a lot of what you've been taught is, <laughs> is not true. I even had to do that with my own preconceived notions because I will say I did have some. We are doing a great disservice to a, a many number of patients, especially when we are prescribing medications like opioids or benzodiazepines over cannabis because we know that those other drugs, even though they can't help certain symptoms, they're creating <laughs> massive epidemics of drug addicts in our country Whereas cannabis is not creating drug addicts. And we talk about things like the gateway drug, and we talk about the biochemistry, and we talk about the, the legal issues around it. Um, and we talk about what is CBD, what is THC. I mean, this is such a fun podcast. Like he says, if you live in a state where it's not legal at all, you can't get medical marijuana cards and you can't get recreational use and you feel you could benefit, you know, it's kind of sad. There's been stories of people literally having to move to different states so that they can get this plant medicine and that they can use it. Anyways, enjoy this podcast today. You can find the show notes at huntharvesthealth.com slash podcast slash cannabis. All right. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast. This is Dr. Hillary. I am, of course, in Bozeman, Montana, and I'm sitting here with Matt Kleeman, who is the owner, founder of a company called Naturaputics. Yep. Say that right? Yep. And he was, interestingly enough, referred to me by one of my colleagues, Dr. Um, Bronwyn Bacon, who's been on our podcast before, where we talked about Alzheimer's disease. Um, she said, oh, oh, you should go talk to, to Matt. He would be a great podcast. Um, and, uh, I was like, oh really? And so she told me a little bit about you and I was like, oh yeah, this is definitely a topic that also a lot of our listeners have asked questions about in the past. Myself, I came across CBD, um, about a year, two years ago or so. And it was mainly because I was having like chronic joint pain um, in my hands because I've done physical medicine for like 20 years. And so I just was like, Oh, I'm getting old. I've got arthritis in my hands and this kind of thing. And, um, somebody recommended that I try some CBD. Um, and at that very, around that very same time, I went to a convention in Hawaii where one of the reps for one of the companies that was sponsoring the medical convention was from one of the big CBD companies that now sells CBD oil. Like you can see it in all the stores and stuff. And he did a presentation for us and he was just so excited about, you know, the benefits of what it could do. So I listened to that presentation. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. So I was going to, I tried some 
I actually found that my joint pain just slowly started going away. Did it happen right away? No. It took a couple weeks to where it was kind of this insidious thing. I started taking it, and then I just noticed over a couple weeks, it's just like, my hands didn't hurt, right? Like, I just started feeling better. In a couple weeks, it was just, like, amazing. And not only that, I started noticing clarity of thinking. Um, I also had a really, I had like a one-year-old, so I wasn't sleeping at night. I was still breastfeeding, which, you know, and I feel like it helped me. Um, it helped my anxiety because I, I dealt with a lot of postpartum depression issues after she was born, just I think because of my age and the stress. And I mean, just having a baby in general and being sleep deprived is so stressful in your body. It's exhausting. I think the CBD started actually making me less anxious and uh, better able to manage that. So then I, um, I see a lot of pain patients and I see a lot, I see a lot of chronic pain. I see a lot of injury. Um, and then of course there's always autoimmune thrown in there because it seems like today the diagnosis of autoimmune is insane. So I started using it with some of my patients for pain, like headaches and stuff, but like 90% of the people I put it on, they were like, Oh my gosh, in a week, they're like, I feel so different. They never run out, right? Or we were able to titrate their doses up and then titrate their doses down and they could take less and they still got mm -hmm. the great benefit. So I said, wow, this is really working. And then I used it with some of my autoimmune patients and they were getting off of their Flexeril and their um, Lyrica and like all these anti-inflammatory joint drugs and all the stuff they get put on. I got really excited about it. And I mean, this is just purely CBD or what's marketed as CBD that we were using medically grade through our, you know, some of the medical companies. Mm -hmm. um, but I noticed like I take it every day and it just feels like I have so much more focus. I have less pain in my body um, and my anxiety is less. And so I wanted to, and so that's my story about it, but really honestly coming from the point of being a physician is like, I'm kind of, I'm not stupid, but I just haven't, it hasn't been an area of, of research for me, but I'm seeing such great benefit. Now I'm seeing it like it's starting to become mainstream. States are starting to legalize marijuana. Um, it's not just green cards anymore. They now have dispensaries and obviously I'm from Washington and there's a dispensary on every single corner, mm -hmm. right? That's not, I mean, stores, people can walk in and buy it. You don't have to have a green card anymore. Yep. So I wanted to talk to somebody that really understands it and can help our listeners. Maybe they're true that like the fiction and the falsehood, you know, the fiction and the truth about what's really going on. And then medically some things, what you see, because I think a lot of our listeners, you know, they struggle with a lot of health issues that I think that these things could help. And so, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm from Northern Minnesota and I moved out to Montana over a decade ago, I think 12 years ago to become a ski bum and through, mm -hmm. through family experience, um, a lot of my family members over the years have, have gone through cancer or are currently going through cancer. And somewhere along the road of me skiing, um, we, my family learned that, you know, there, there, there's a lot of benefit that can come from the plant, um, speaking specifically for cancer. So, mm -hmm. uh, I was raised by green thumbs and it, and everything just fell into place. And I went, I started, uh, studying botany at MSU and, 
And that was my focus, and the intent of, of that education was to better understand how I can cultivate cannabis and, and try to heal. So it, I went down the wormhole of, of college classes and learning about how to you know, grow plants and, and the biology of them. And then on the side, I was, I was trying to learn as much as I could specifically about the cannabis plant. And then about five and a half years ago, I had an opportunity to start working with members of our own community here that had cancer. And I think I made it another semester and, and had to drop out and immediately started doing this full time for people. So, wow. Great. So it started there and it, and it, it starts and ends with cancer for me personally and, okay. and what we've seen. But over the years, you know, I've, I've just continued to evolve in, in who we, we meet and, and who we try to help and what kind of ailments we try to target. And that's just been one giant learning lesson with regards to this plant. So, and, and with respect to just learning about it in general, you know, that because of the laws associated with it globally, there's only been a couple of places for years that have been studying it. So it's kept a restriction on what we've learned and, and, you know, the, the studies that have come out. So, and, you know, then we're seeing this paradigm shift in the last 10 to 15 years where, um, you know, laws are loosening, uh, more people are getting, getting grants for, for not studying the, you know, the, the harmful aspects of it, but how can we benefit from it? And, and this is new. Um, so, so the studies are there and I, I just started digging and finding them and, and we're learning more and more, but a lot of these, you know, pivotal understandings like the endocannabinoid system are, have, have taken place in the last two decades. I mean, this is new science. The plant's been around and has been used medicinally for over 5,000 years. We, you know, we can see in records, but, um, we're just starting to understand why we were using it for, for all those years. So, um, and to speak to your experience, CBD cannabidiol is anti-inflammatory in nature. It's, I mean, it's, it's an amazing anti-inflammatory and, and the reason I asked, you know, did, did you get benefit right away? And, um, and that's a really accurate answer that a lot of people say is a couple of weeks, a lot of, a lot of our pain, you know, the source of it is inflammation. A lot of disease in general is inflammation. And, you know, the, you can mask pain or you can try to fix it. And what I've seen over the years is the plant tries to fix the problem. And, and that, that's inflammation. So, you know, when we, when, we, when we encourage people to use hemp oil and, you know, concentrated with CBD, we're cannabidiol, we're, we're, looking, we're looking for them to make a commitment. And whether that commitment's a week two weeks, a month, um, what, you know, depending on the severity of what their experience is, their inflammation and their pain, it can take time, you know, and it can happen right away. It can happen over two weeks. It can take two months. But the point is, is the plant does more than just, um, as an analgesic, it, it does more than just kill that pain. It's an anti-inflammatory. So it goes at the inflammation. So, so that's a perfect example of how it can work, but it can take time. So it's, you know, it's a, it's something that somebody has to be dedicated to for a couple of weeks. I always say, you know, and take it proactively every day and, and see if things change. And, mm-hmm. um, and then with respect to anxiety, CBD is anxiolytic in nature. So it, um, we have what's called this endocannabinoid system, endogenous cannabinoid system. So we, we produce endogenously. Uh, what does an endogenous mean? It means made, made by the body. Okay. So, so we're producing 
two compounds that are very, very similar chemically to phytocannabinoids or exocannabinoids that we get from outside the body. And this was the discovery was made by a, um, a doctor named Raphael Meshulam, um, and he's he's kind of the godfather of cannabis as far as research is concerned. And then he stumbled stumbled across this endocannabinoid system and had this light bulb moment where wow, we're producing these and and this system. This, endocanna- this ECS system, endocannabinoid receptor system in our body, is, it's massive and extensive, and it's, it's in almost every system in the body. Um, and there's, there's two receptors. There's CB1 and CB2 receptors. CB1 receptors are mainly in our nervous system, in our brain, uh, and CB2 receptors are mainly in our immune system. And, uh, and then in our GI tract, there's a lot uh, of CB2 receptors as well in there. CB1 receptors are, are what are responsible for our psychoactive experience. THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, has strong affinity to CB1 receptors, so that's what is responsible for what we know as getting high. Uh, but CB2 receptors, you know, they they modulate a, a lot of other systems in the body and, and can control inflammation and pain and a number of different things. Um, and then there's CBD, which is this molecule that cannabis produces. Uh, there's over a hundred cannabinoids. Um, the medicinal, you know, molecules of the plant, THC is one, cannabidiol, CBD is another. CBD works outside of the CB1 and CB2 receptors. It has affinity to a, a number of different receptors in our body, not just these cannabinoid receptors, one of them being our serotonin receptors. So, CBD we know is anxiolytic in nature, and I'm I'm now discovering that the reason that we're able to to really help mitigate anxiety is because it CBD can hit these serotonin receptors and and tamp down that that emotion that that feeling of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it it's uh, people have called cannabis adaptogenic over the years and a lot of different things, but CBD is really interesting in that it can it can it can target a number of different receptors in our body, not just cannabis receptors. So, so your experience of anxiety that, you know, we've, we've got serotonin receptors that can help with anxiety. Um, and then we can reduce inflammation using CBD and other cannabinoids as well. CBD is a buzzword right now in hemp oil in general, because one CBD is not a controlled substance. Mm -hmm. THC is that's, that's the, the part of the plant that the government doesn't like, but CBD is, um, it's it, it was never looked at as is it just was never looked at at all really and mm-hmm. and it, it's just we're now just learning about it so you know in, in our country there there's a the you know there's the hemp farming act and in 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 that it it says that it, it's what's called the source rule if if hemp is derived from a, a pilot program and there's a number of states that have pilot programs here in the country if if hemp comes legally from one of these pilot program states, then anything that is derived from that hemp can be legally used and sold. So hemp, which is a a subspecies of the cannabis plant, um, inherently produces high amounts of cannabidiol, CBD, and very low amounts of THC. So it a lot of a lot of people, me included, are are sourcing CBD from from varietals that are legally considered hemp. That's another important thing to understand. So, um, you know, the chemotype of, of hemp 
most hemp varieties is that it, they produce zero to no THC, which is the controlled part of the plant the government doesn't like, and in some cases, very, very high levels of cannabidiol, CBD. So, you know, we're in the last decade, people have started, it's been over a decade, but we'll, we'll call it the last 10 years or so, people have started selectively breeding for the first time ever for high amounts of cannabidiol, CBD, in cannabis, uh, because they're seeing the medicinal benefit and it's not illegal as long as it comes from hemp. So mm-hmm. so a lot of these companies that are, are cropping up here in the States, these domestic companies are, are sourcing it from hemp farms in Colorado and Oregon and Washington. Mm-hmm. And they're able to then extract the CBD out of that plant. Um, and then, you know, we can get it around. What's the actual difference between the plants themselves? So... so so hemp is actually cannabis sativa and, and we have cannabis sativa. So there's, there's, we'll go by the legal definitions because that's the easiest way to understand it. But you know, cannabis is cannabis, but there's certain, I'm, I'm going to say chemotypes. And when I say chemotype, I mean, uh, you know, the chemical makeup, what, what that, specific varietal produces chemically, you know, and, and that's cannabinoid concentrations, terpenes, which we'll get into. But, um, you know, the chemotype of, of these hemp varieties have been um, for a lot of years, you know, the, the Thomas Jefferson and George Washington were hemp farmers. And so for a long time, people have in this country and around the world been growing hemp because it's this extremely versatile plant Um, and selective breeding over the years was intended to increase seed production and from seed we can get you know we can get oils we can get omega-3s so so there's there's nutrition in seed Um, there's literally energy in seed in in the form of oil you know candle burning lights Um, sorry oil burning lights candles but um, there's textiles so so you've got seed and you've got fiber, and and the textiles come from the fiber, uh, and then the you know the oil from the seed. And it, uh, Ford had come out in the 30s, I think it was, with an engine that was going to fire off of hemp seed oil. So it, mm-hmm. there's just there's there's a lot of use for the plant, but selectively speaking, when they were breeding, they either wanted a lot of fiber coming from these plants or they wanted a lot of seed. Nobody was ever breeding for CBD. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's, I think it was Washington. There's, there's journals of his that suggest that he was doing selective breeding programs. And there was suggestions in those journals that he found varieties that made him feel good when he put it into a pipe. Uh, but for the most part, it was, you know, it was looked at as a production crop for, um, for a lot of different products, but not medicinally speaking. Um, in the 90s, California came out with the medical marijuana program. They were the first one to go on board. And I think people started looking. You know, there was, there was, a, there was a subset of people that just wanted a medical marijuana program around because they could legally get high then. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, there was this other group of people that, that started really benefiting from the plant. And, and through that experience, more people started looking at what, what's happening here, what what is this plant doing to our body? You know, it's not a, um, it's not just a disassociative in, in that it, we forget that, you know, that our pain is there or that we're dying or whatever's ailing us It, you know, for that short brief moment, we forget that that's not what's happening. And, and, you know, that, that sediment just got shared with more and more people that had that experience. And, 
Um, and then you had, you, you know, you had some of the research community starting, starting to put, uh, efforts towards learning more about the plant and then just people. And anecdotally, a lot of people through self discovery, figuring out how it helped them. But, um, you know, through that, they started seeing that the plant produces a lot of healing molecules, not, not just the ones that get us high and, and CBD was, you know, it, it was stumbled upon and it, mm-hmm. and what we learned from it, it was, it, it's non-psychoactive and it actually in concert with other cannabinoids, THC being the big one, it can, it can tamp down the psychoactivity of CBD. So not only is cannabidiol on its own non-psychoactive, um, you know, and I, I equate it to somebody taking a night 800, uh, milligram, pill of ibuprofen i mean there's really nothing there as far as as far as the experience goes psychologically it, it's it's very it's just kind of calming uh, and then when it's combined with thc it, it, it can mitigate the psychoactivity of thc so which is really interesting we can get into that but so you know more and more research started looking at cannabidiol because Nobody, nobody, there was no stigma against it. There was no laws against it. Um, and, and they could see the analgesic and anti-inflammatory benefit. And then we started finding out that it was anti-anxiety. Uh, it, it worked as an anti-anxiety. And it, um, those are the three main ones that when we're, when we're looking at, um, uh, treating certain conditions that those three are the big ones when CBD is involved. Um, mm-hmm. so it, so then there was so so now we have this discovery that there's more to the plant than just THC, and then you know for for a long time, but you know the the 60s we'll we'll call it in Northern California, um, there's been selective breeding programs happening up there for a long time, and in my opinion that's that's ground zero for a lot of very very superior genetics that we know of today and. Uh, places like that where they were already selectively breeding for THC for a long time, some of them started diverting in, in trying to selectively breed for CBD because maybe a family member or they heard a story, somebody benefited from it. And, and, and you know, since then, hemp, which historically never really had it, it, the cannabinoid ratios where I was really low, you know, it was just looked at as this textile crop for the most part. Um, Somebody stumbled across that cannabidiol was, you know, it was more concentrated in certain hemp varieties. Well, then, then the breeding programs began and they, and they just started going through the generations looking for which one of those produced higher amounts of CBD. And then that was crossed back into something and so on and so forth. And now, you know, we're looking at certain hemp varieties. And when I say hemp, the legal definition in our country of hemp is anything that tests below 0.3% dry weight of THC is legally considered hemp. So mm-hmm. if THC is below that threshold, then we can call it hemp in this country. Um, and it, those, those hemp varieties now, I, you know, we, we cultivate one that, um, she produces on average anywhere from 17% up to 25% CBD and can still stay below that 0.3% threshold on THC. So, it, um, and that took time, uh, but really it, it took about 10 years and, I, and I'm, and I'm sure there was things happening, uh, behind the scenes that have been going on longer, but my knowledge is, is a lot has happened in the last 10 years with right. respect to, to really trying to, uh, bring CBD out in some of these chemotypes. So. 
Well, let's see. I went to medical school. I got out in 2007, and I don't even remember one lecture ever in medical, my medical training about the endocannabinoid, cannabidiol, even the system within the body, not one. So it's, you know, that was 11 years ago that I graduated, and in that time, this, like, clinical relevance of the endocannabinoid system where... I mean, you know, in medicine, things are discovered long before they're ever clinically used um, due to laws and regulations and studies and making sure everything's safe for human consumption or whatever. But um, that's a really short period of time, 10 years, to have so much information actually become um, come into the clinical sphere, um, which... You know, I guess it says a lot, too, about maybe how our country is view- changing their view about the cannabis plant as well. Yeah. What's interesting is that with other substances, if you're going to take a substance, let's say an opioid, and the opioid is going to shut down pain via opioid reception, and that's like making it super simple. The endocannabinoid system is actually... Whereas an opioid is not striving to maintain homeostasis. <laughs> it's, it's working to shut down. So again, like what's the cause, what's the symptom and what's the cause of the symptom, right? It's what I find interesting is the endocannabinoid system is actually, even when you take the plant and you're taking an exocannabinoid, you know, you're taking it from the outside from food or plant is that it's still working with those receptors to maintain homeostasis. Mm -hmm. So it's not just shutting down the pain signal like an opioid does. And if you quit taking the opioid, you're going to be in trouble, right? Like you have now so many opioid receptors, you have to fill those things up because you've basically grown them as a way to put it. Um, Which is why I, so this, the cannabinoid is actually creating I, well, how I see it is healing. It's actually healing and creating homeostasis where it's not covering up a symptom. It's actually changing the biochemistry so that there's more homeostasis. It's intuitive. Yeah, it's so intuitive. Well, we've seen that just anecdotally over the years. The experience has been if we treat, uh, for instance, if we, if we have a patient undergoing chemotherapy and, and nausea may or may not become a factor, you know, we... I'll formulate something that is going to be intended to help with the nausea. Um, but there's other symptoms not discussed, you know, at that first meeting or second meeting. And then a few months go by and we, we check up on the patient and they say, well, you know, my nausea is, I don't have any. It's non-existent. Well, that's excellent. And they'll say, by the way, I'm not on high blood pressure medication anymore. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm and and two other drugs I've also been able to get off of and I'm not really sure why but I just don't need them anymore <laughs> I've I've run into that over the years and so so the literature the studies show that it 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 affects almost every system in the body and and, and that effect is to bring things into balance and anecdotally what we've seen is is that very point and it in that in the perfect example is when they don't tell me about something and then a couple of months go by and they come back and they say by the way this is better um, and I've seen that over and over and that's that's what really encouraged me to keep looking further on on you know the, the potential in it it's not a panacea you know it, it um, I don't think that exists but 
and I don't want to say limitless, but there's so much that we don't understand about the plant. Um, and, and why we're getting some of these actions in patients, you know, we're uh, reactions, you know, to, to the plant in, in a good way. And it, uh, more research is going gonna, is gonna to open up what exactly is going on for people. But the biggest one is, is you know, we have evolved with it. It is everywhere, and it, it, it does really control. Um, it, it, it controls balance in the body. So. so let's talk a little bit about THC itself, because it's more of the psychoactive one. So not everybody does well with THC. Mm-hmm. Um, would you, and I guess this is more of a question, would you say more people do better with CBD in general just because it doesn't have any psychoactive effect? Um, do you see more side effect with THC? Or does it de- does THC depend more on person? Is it is it more specific? I guess, just because of that psychoactive effect. Uh, I, I would, with respect to side effects, CBD really doesn't have any. So mm-hmm. CBD kind of gets the win in that regard. Mm-hmm. But in the right combination, meaning, you know, uh, uh, the right ratios, the right balance of cannabinoids. When I say cannabinoids, I'm really speaking towards cbd and thc there is over 100 of them now i think there's over 110 is the is the most recent number but um of cannabinoids mm-hmm. okay and in thc and cbd are just two of them but they're the ones that we really focus in and one we test for them. you know when we're getting when we're getting these chemical tests these profiles of the plant uh, you know those are the two most prominent and in uh, highest produced in almost every variety is, is cannabidiol and THC. So, so, so the focus is there because we see it, we see it being produced in 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 most of the plants in in the highest amounts. So, CBD is non psychoactive, or the side effect of, of THC is psychoactivity. Um, it can also lower blood pressure. So, we can get into that. But in the in the right combinations, you know, the right ratios. CBD can mitigate the psychoactivity of THC. Um, mm. It can't completely get rid of it, but it it, uh, it it can in extreme cases, depending on the ratio. But my point is, is cannabidiol on its own, CBD on its own, it, it, it works as that analgesic. It works as the anti-inflammatory, but the potential when you add other parts of the plant back in uh, is it, it's much greater. So, mm-hmm. I, well, it's like that traditionally in medicine. I think that this is where plant medicine versus pharm- pharmacology of pharmaceutical medicine, this is why we see much narrow, much more narrow therapeutic windows with pharm- pharmaceuticals because they've extracted, they've isolated one component and they're using that now as that. But that will, because that um, a therapeutic window is how well something works how long it works and then side effects. And so pharmaceuticals obviously have more side effects, but they work faster. Whereas a plant medicine, um, when you're using the whole plant, you're getting the nutrition and you're getting, it's like a, it's like there's a reason that that plant is creating all these different phytochemicals or whatever together. And if you take that in, you're getting the full benefit of it. And that will also, in a lot of cases, decrease side effects, but it's, 
takes longer. So there's not as many side effects, but it's going to take longer for those to work. Is this the full spectrum thing? I hear a lot of this like thing, like full spectrum CBD, full spectrum hemp. Like, is that what they're talking about? Using more of the plant than there, just the extract of yep, CBD? Yep. So, so we'll go, let's, let's reverse back to the nineties. Marinol, Marinol, which is a, a synthetic form of THC, um, is created and used, I, th- I think in the 90s it was uh, mainly targeted for the AIDS epidemic for pain. Right. And, it, and as an anti-emetic. And, and what they found was it, it didn't, there was not a lot of efficacy with Marinol. I mean, it worked for some people, but for most it didn't. And it's taken, it's taken a long time for, for us to understand. I shouldn't say us because there's a lot of people that understood the whole time, but there's synergy in the plant <clears throat> when, when it's when it's kept intact, when it when it's kept as its whole, and it and that's nature in it in its nature's design, and so we've evolved with this plant and selectively bred and just brought it with us for the last five thousand years through our culture, and along that time, it's it's been bred for certain traits and evolved with us, but but all the while, nature nature's intent was to. Um, for it to be in its entirety or as a whole. And then with respect to if somebody said, you know, this specific variety 2,000 years ago is really good at treating something, I'm going to keep this around. Um, it, it, was that, it was that plant in its entirety. They didn't know how to extract one molecule out of it back then. So, it, so that's kind of this timeless aspect of, of the plant is it, it, it really needs to be in its entirety, you know, the pharmaceutical industry wants to isolate because then they can patent, and that's where the money is. But um, what they, what, what we now know is, is, and the reason that I get to work every day with cancer patients is because a whole plant extract does work better than an isolate, and the reason is the synergy. And there's synergy between cannabinoids. There's synergy that we don't even understand yet, and there's synergy with terpenes, terpenoids. So. Mm-hmm. So terpenes are these the smell molecules of the plant, you know. And historically, there's there's been, you know, it, almost everybody has heard of blueberry pot. Whether you know whether it, it clicks in your mind or it doesn't, you know, every you know, blueberry pot has been around for a long time. And and the reason that it was called blueberry is because it smelled like bur- blueberries. It had the same terpene profile that that we find in blueberries. Those same chemicals. Um, are are produced in that cannabis varietal mm-hmm. so somebody said wow this smells like blueberries now this is blueberry pot um, but those terpenes in the cannabinoids as a whole is where we is where we find that synergy um, it's also been referred to as the entourage effect you know if the terpenes are there um, they're they're helping with the bioavailability of the cannabinoids. The perfect example is there's an old wives' tale from the 60s and 70s that if you smoke a joint and you eat a mango, you get more high, and it and that got passed down. I mean, all the way to me. At at some point, I heard about it from somebody older than me. But you know, you smoke the joint, eat the mango, you're gonna feel more stone, man. Well. So everybody was experiencing that. Nobody could define why it was happening. We now know that myrcene, a terpene that we find in cannabis and also is in extremely high concentrations in mango fruit, mm. when you are ingesting myrcene and smoking that joint, metabolizing you know, what's in the joint, which so 
Myrcene speaks specifically to THC. It increases the bioavailability of THC. So they were absolutely right that eating the mango was doing something. They just didn't understand why, but science now shows us why. So, so I use that example because the myrcene in the mango, you know, eating that mango outside of the joint can increase that bioavailability. So knowing that when we're targeting certain conditions, we can, um, you can do two things. Nowadays, we can isolate terpenes. You can literally buy a vial of terpenes um, of any different kind. And you can, you know, you can go jump into the lab and, um, and mix something up for just about anything nowadays with respect to how cannabis and terpenes can work together and mm-hmm. target something. Uh, I take a more traditional approach in that I like, I like the sense of keeping things intact. So we're selectively breathing for the right terpenes for the right ailments. Um, and, and we get this, we, one would argue that we get the same, we get the same effect in the end. Um, but it, it I feel like uh, letting Mother Nature uh, take control and 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 breeding for those profiles, that entourage effect of terpenes and cannabinoids versus um, just isolating terpenes and, and putting it into a vial and mixing it together. I I, I think I, I think uh, the finish line is the same, but it, the approach is different. Uh, but that's that that's that whole plant extract. When people are referring to that, they're talking about taking everything. Um, and with respect to how we can mix different ratios of cannabinoids, then there's, you know, there, there's a, there's tons of different chemotypes, you know, in the, in the cannabis family. Chemotypes meaning, again, some of them produce more uh, cannabinol, CBN, some produce more CBD, you know, cannabidiol, some produce more THC. So you isolate and you find the strain that produces really high CBD. Um, you know, the one that we have, she produces insane amounts of, of CBD and very low THC. Well, then over here, you know, depending on what we're trying to target, we have high-producing THC with the right terpene um, ratio. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, this one might specifically work really good for inducing drowsiness. Well, now we have something that works for sleep. And it, it, if we want to tamp down the side effects of the THC, you know, we, we know the strain works really, really good for getting somebody drowsy, but it might be a little too psychoactive for people. Now I can take that whole plant botanical extract, that oil, that hash oil is essentially what it is, or the essential oil of cannabis. We know it as hash oil. We can take hash oil A that's very high in CBD, and we can mix it with hash oil B that has this perfect THC and and terpenoid ratio that induces drowsiness. We can mix those two together, and now we have something that is very, very... Um, you know, there's hardly any psychoactivity to it. So we just open it up to a lot more people that don't necessarily want to feel stoned, but need to benefit from it. Um, so little psychoactivity and we still get that effect from the THC and those Mm -hmm. terpenes that really induce sleep. So, um, that's a, for instance, on how to make something that would be, um, you know, really good at sedating, getting to sleep in. So it sounds like what you're doing too here, especially working, it sounds like you work with a lot of cancer. Mm Hmm. It, um, it's like personalized medicine. So you're, you're like personalizing the plant components based on the person's biochemistry or the condition in which you're treating. Right. Yeah. And, but you're not, neg- you're not negating their biochemistry. So 
more, there's some people who would do great with more THC. And then there's some people who come in, they're like, I can't take that. That's like too psychoactive. So you can transform it a little bit to work with their biochemistry, right? Yeah. And it, in, so the first question I usually ask is how do you respond to other drugs? You know, because yeah. in general, I've learned, you know, we, we do metabolize, everybody metabolizes things quicker or slower. And mm -hmm. somebody comes in and tells me that, you know, they, they need a lot. Um, it, it gives me direction. Mm -hmm. As opposed to somebody that says, you know, they can take half a half a Tylenol and that um, so so there's a lot of listening involved when I meet somebody. Um, my understanding is we all produce um, different amounts of these receptors. So mm -hmm. so if 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 somebody produces a larger amount of CB1 receptors, um, it's it's safe to assume that they're going to have a, a, a greater response to THC. Um so, it, mm. so from there, it's it, it it comes down to a couple of things. It, there's there's these preconceived notions that I don't want to get stoned. I can't be stoned. I, it's just it's uh, it's socially unacceptable and morally it's unacceptable because I've I've been taught that it's just it, I can't be stoned. So, um, you know, a lot of that plays into the people that I work with cancer for the most part. Um, mm -hmm. Tends to crop up as we get older and. I'm working with a lot of people that were, I mean, they, they drew a line in the sand a long time ago and they were either for it or against it. And, um, and a lot of the people that I meet, they were against it for a long time. So, so their notion is, you know, I, I don't want to get stoned. This guy's just going to get me stoned. And, um, and the way around that is these cannabinoid manipulations. You know, we can, mm -hmm. if CBD is in the right concentration, again, CBD coming from hemp varieties, uh, cannabidiol, it it plays this pivotal role in tamping down the psychoactivity, which makes it um, it makes it a lot more versatile. You know, we can get it we can get it out to a lot more people and completely remove that psychoactive experience. And, mm -hmm. and for some people, they need that. You know, it, everybody's different, so a lot of listening, um, and and then and then we start formulating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think too. I feel, I, and I, I mean, like I said, I'm so new at this, like. I feel like too, it's the experience of maybe even the disease and what the person's going through at the time. Because like you said earlier, you know, sometimes people just need to have a moment where they don't, they're not thinking about that they're dying or they have this chronic thing, you know? And I had a, an ALS patient cause I've dealt with a lot of neurological conditions and, um, he was really, you know, a super vibrant guy and super smart CEO, you know, one of those type A guys that drove himself basically into ALS, just not having a healthy lifestyle. But he was really against, you know, the whole marijuana thing. It was like he thought of people that were smoking pot, they were like not productive and they weren't, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. We got really sick and he, um, ALS is like a tragic disease because you just, your mind is fine and you just slowly lose your body and your ability to move and you have all kinds of problems. And then they put you on all kinds of medications and... So he, um, he's tried THC and he actually found that he had to get over his, his preconception of what that meant. And then I think what it did for him is it, um, it stopped his nausea. So it was the only thing he had chronic nausea and it was the only thing that helped. Like he tried medications, you know, the anti-nausea medications, nothing would help. It helped that, but he said, um, it calms me down to a point where I can actually, I'm not, 
I don't feel like I'm dwelling on my future because my future is pretty bleak at this point, and I feel like I can just relax. And then I don't have the nausea, which chronic nausea, um, I've had two kids and I threw up for like eight months on each of them. And that's horrible feeling. Having chronic nausea has probably got to be one of the worst things. So I, I watched it with him and I kind of, he was in an older age class, you know, late sixties, early seventies. And then he had this preconceived notion of it. And when we put him on that and he was allowed to just relax and he had great benefit from the THC, he actually did better with higher THC. Okay. Um, but that was another example that I experienced where, like what you said, he was just able to, for a moment, let his, you know, fear go, I guess, <laughs> and stuff where he could just relax, um, which is a big piece of it, right? Because when you have disease, stress is not helping you out any, like you're creating stress chemicals too, so. Well, and there's, there's a fine line. There's a fine line with respect to anxiety when THC is involved, and it, it's important to understand that because it, you know, the the side effect of THC is it, it's an incredible antiemetic. You know, it, it it works as good or better than anything that we mm-hmm. can get pharmaceutically for nausea. It's the reason that one of the reasons again that I get to work with a lot of ca- cancer patients is it works, and and there's very little side effects. The side effect that. Um, you know, that we, we work very, very hard to avoid is anxiety. Um, too much THC, it can cause it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I mean, I just keep going back to these ratios being correct, but CBD, it has its place in isolate, not in isolate, but on its own, but it works, it works so much better when it's combined with other things. And in the, for instance, when we can, when we can combine those two and get THC, so they get the anti-medic benefits or they get, it can work as an anti-anxiety as well, but too much of it, you can go to a dark place. So CBD is there to balance everything out. Um, And, you know, if if a person is familiar with THC, they can also self-titrate and know how much much works and how much is too much. But, you know, a a lot of people that I meet, we work with a lot of anxiety. And uh, we just have to be really careful about the amount of THC that's involved because it it can really turn against somebody if it's, if it's too much, but, mm-hmm. but it, it, it works, it works wonderfully. Uh, if it's in that right ratio with, with the rest of the plant, with other cannabinoids, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say plant because it, I, I should say cannabinoids because sometimes, you know, formulation that we have is, is six different, six different oils, you know, so six different chemotypes of cannabis all blended into one capsule. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, no, THC is, it, it's wonderful. It, it's not physically addictive like morphine, you know, if, if opioids, if, mm-hmm. if we're, if we're getting off of opioids, there is this tapering process or there should be, mm-hmm. um, because it, it can get pretty nasty if we don't take our time. And, you know, the reason being is our body starts really learning how to function with those opioids in our system and needs to relearn how to, how to be healthy again when it leaves cannabis you know we have we have a few patients with some pretty you know severe illnesses that that are taking 800 to 1000 milligrams a day of cannabis oil i mean ridiculous amounts and and this can go on for a few months and then we can literally cold turkey um family reunion comes up they have to stop for a couple of days because cognitively they got to be totally with it and clear-headed and they want to hang out with the family well they can stop and 
nothing happens. The body doesn't shut down. Um, it life goes on. So it, it mentally speaking, you know, we can definitely get used to how we feel with respect to THC. And a lot of people find that, you know, they would rather have that feeling day to day than not. But, but physically, it, it, if, if, if you had to jump on a ship and move to an island and cannabis didn't exist on that island and you'd been using it for 30 years, you'd be a little grumpy with the islanders for a couple of weeks and then you'd be right back to normal. So, Yeah, there's a massive problem going on, at least in the United States, and I don't know globally, but the opioid crisis is um, uh, is a... Uh, I know for us medical professionals, it's super frustrating for patients as well. And there's a whole lot of pain out there. You know, people are in a lot of pain. And um, the way in which the opioids have been marketed and sold and prescribed now for a decade or two, and now we're seeing the, the effects of it. And even going through my own misconceptions of like marijuana and drugs in general, um, I... I I even just feel like maybe there's there's something else that could be done for these people instead of creating make turning them into addicts where um you basically become somewhat of a you know you're you are a drug addict the difference between like what we consider a drug addict right like mm-hmm. um somebody who smokes pot every day or whatever versus an opioid addict, and and that is a really tragic um, addiction for most people, and so um, it seems to me like there could be a better solution, but there's this legal hurdles. There's so many legal hurdles in the the um, vilification of cannabis, um, and it's kind of like there's an elephant in the room, right? It's like when you learn about the science of it and just sitting here talking to you about it and having done my own research, taking this stuff myself, like there seems to be like a huge elephant in the room. And to me, it's, um, it's a, you know, I don't know, like a money situation and all this, you know, cause pharmaceuticals it's, and it's a vicious, horrible cycle because, you know, we hand them out like candy and then people get addicted and then they cut them off. You know, even as physicians, there's like people on lists and you can't prescribe for them anymore. And then people become drug seekers and then they end up doing heroin and cheaper drugs. And um, it just seems to me like, and I always heard this phrase, cannabis is a gateway drug. What do you think about that? I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. We've completely disproved that in um, the way that we've done it personally here at Naturoputics, but all over the country and the world, uh, there's synergy with opioids and cannabinoids. So together, in concert, they, they're more effective than apart. So so fundamentally, that's really important for everyone to understand because if if you're at a place in life where you know you're, you're, you're taking opioids to treat pain and you feel like it's the only thing that really helped, it might not have done as much as it could, but nothing else will touch the pain except for these opioids – and a person finds himself just going farther and farther um, up the scale as far as milligram dosage goes and, you know, more of a tolerance, mm-hmm. more consumption every day. Part of my job over the years has been to come in with cannabis and, and again, the right formulation of cannabinoids will boost the efficacy of, of the, the opioids. So, mm-hmm. so right away you know if if somebody's willing to you know we have the conversation that the end goal here is we're we're at the very least we're going to stop any 
um, any more of a tolerance bill to these opioids. And in a perfect world, we're going to get you completely off, off of them. All right, well, now we have a goal. So in comes cannabinoids. Cannabinoids almost every time immediately stop any more of a tolerance building up with the opioids because now we have one more thing that's helping with the pain and the inflammation, but it's it's uh, because there's synergy there, they just, they're working so well together, the patient no longer needs that extra boost of, of opioids. All right, well, let's just say we start at a, a lower dose on the scale of cannabinoids, but with the intent of increasing the cannabinoid ratio as or sorry the the concentration the the milligram dose per day and decreasing the opioids in it and we just start tipping the scale and 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 removing opioids from their life slowly same way you would without cannabis but cannabis is just that much more of a buffer to make sure that it's done successfully and it's done i mean they're healthy and and they're still eating and they're um the withdrawal symptoms that they may or may not experience without the cannabis just really aren't there. And, and then, you know, it, it, it's just a balancing act. We, we start increasing more and more on the cannabinoids. And ultimately, we're, you know, almost every time we can get people off of opioids. Um, it, it, it just takes time and everybody's different. But so right there, I mean, that, that point alone, they're, they're the gateway theory. Come on. I mean, we're getting people off of opiates with cannabinoids. Yeah. It, and and there's a lot of scientific studies that are are proving that you know it's not just me doing it here in an office but it's absolutely the case and 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 I don't think I've ever had a conversation start with well can I just can I just have both you know can can you just can you just make me feel well enough because I like I like the opioids I've never had that conversation <laughs> it's always been yeah. I, I need to get off of these it they're ruining my body and it um so, so then the work begins, but yeah, gateway theory. That's funny. <laughs> is there a legal push to try to control CBD in some of these? Uh, I think it's coming. Pharmaceutically. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, if, if you go to the FDA's website, I think this happened in the, in the last couple of years. Uh, there's language in there now saying that CBD can't be touted as a dietary supplement you can't say it's a dietary supplement because it's under review for um for therapeutic use which is a way for them to lock it up and and when i i remember reading that and i remember somebody saying go check out the fda's website see what they posted now and 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 reading that and thinking to myself well um you know there's some legal protection there that 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 they made in order to uh, it just slow us down us being anybody that's working with cannabidiol until pharma can come in it the trick is is you know a whole plant botanical extract is extremely hard to to lock up with patents so they have to figure out how they can isolate the stuff and still get the efficacy and i Mm. I don't think they're there yet so but but that was one way to slow to slow it down and 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 just continue to position the larger companies that control drugs in the world uh, to be able to move in and, and market it and sell it themselves and I think that that may or may not happen in the end I think it's it's more likely that it will I mean it, it it's foolish to think that I mean that we're that's a big we're up, we're up against a lot with respect to the pharmaceutical industry you know they're they're in it to make money. Uh, and there, there's so much proven uh, 
therapeutic use for that molecule specifically for them to not ignore it. So it's just a matter of time, I think. Um, but there's there's the industry at large is so large now. You know, the, the, there's a new hemp farming uh, movement in our country. More and more people are starting to farm hemp again, mm-hmm. and it, that was huge. Uh, you know, in our country historically, it was a big deal. We farmed a lot of it, and we're seeing that come back. And, and every time a new farmer plants some seed, we have that much more power on our side to help fight the powers that be, you know, pharma. And um, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. I know we can't call it a dietary supplement and you can't make any claims to what it may or may not be able to do. Mm-hmm. So so the way that we all hear about CBD is word of mouth. Um, and then it's a matter of selecting a company that, that you trust. And it is very important to do homework on on because it because cbd is in this legal gray area there's a lot of people taking advantage of it and taking advantage of people that are buying it um there's there's really no regulatory body right now that's overseeing any of this so you have groups like uh project cbd which i would encourage everybody to check out um and, and, you know, there's there's private groups that are that are funding their own studies. You know, they're buying, um, you know, we're going to do a Google search of, of every CBD product we can find online. We're going to buy, you know, something from that product line and get everything tested. Well, some of these test re- results are coming back showing that either there's no CBD in, in the bottle that you just paid for that claimed it had it or there's too much. Um, it, it, it's very difficult to find companies that are honest and accurate with what their claims are with mm-hmm. respect to CBD dosing. Um, so it's important for people to do their research and, and homework and, and vet companies because it is an extremely versatile plant. And, yeah, I, I would encourage everybody to go get their card and start growing it in their backyard themselves. Ultimately, mm-hmm. that's what we should all be doing. It's the reason that... You know, the pharmaceutical industry has pushed back and lobbied against this plant for so many years because in my experience and a lot of people's experience, it replaces a lot of drugs. And if the world knew they could plant something in their backyard that had that potential, what is what happens to the pharmaceutical industry? Mm-hmm. You know, if this plant can, this endocannabinoid system can control homeostasis in the body and exor phytocannabinoids that we can grow in our backyard can support that system, those systems. And, and that's, you know, that that balance for everybody, it's a no-brainer. And, it, and that's a scary thing to the pharmaceutical industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many drugs and how much money did they just lose because somebody planted another another clone in their backyard? So mm-hmm. it, um, I, I think that's, you know, that's what we're up against. It, it's a money thing. And, uh, you know, un- it's, a, it's unfortunate that, that it has to be that way, but... Um, but that's the way it is. That's the reality of it. it. It's 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 too powerful of a plant for them to ignore. So they're going to figure out how to how to tie it up so that they can get all of it. But at this point, you know, with policy in our country, I don't think there's I don't think they're ever going to be able to say you can't. Just like you know, when prohibition ended, um, in most places in the country, you can you can brew beer in your basement. I think all of us very very soon meaning I, I'm, I'm going to say in the next three to five years, hopefully, we're all going to be able to have that right to plant this in our backyard if we want to um, and, and, and respect it and, and, and grow it correctly and use it correctly. And, um, you know, that I think 
it's a beautiful world and I think that's the direction that we're moving in hmm. so well okay so let's talk a little oh yeah I wanted to show you this is what I take so you were saying like the companies and how they tested them all and stuff mm-hmm. I've never tested it but I used to take well I have taken and I see patients on this little island uh, Vashon Island which is right off Seattle and so I started going over there and it's like a little I don't know I guess people would call it a little hippie community it's not a hippie community it's just like it's more of a small farming area the people that don't want to live in the city basically and one of my patients she said i was telling her i was taking cbd and she said oh there's this guy on the island and he grows this stuff and he makes this amazing cbd you should try it so um i got some and i tried it and and this (laughs) this is it and uh, sour, yeah. sour tsunami is so sour. That's uh, this is the the phenotyper, uh, the specific plant of the cannabis family, and and it that is high in CBD. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. I without overcomplicating it, it's important to understand that CBD CBD the molecule is is the same if we source it from hemp or sour tsunami or even from a marijuana variety. Marijuana being legally defined as anything with more than zero more than 0.3% THC in a plant, Uh, that CBD in there is still just as beneficial as the CBD we find in hemp. But there is more to it than that. And from a, you know, from a a plant perspective, uh, again, what does that terpene profile look like in that plant? You know, sour tsunami may have this really wonderful terpene profile that Mm. that enables more cbd uptake for you or Mm -hmm. or those terpenes can also be working on uh on a pain level so Mm -hmm. um, individually plants are uh unique each one of them each strain so there's so much research and money right now getting thrown at development of how can we make this better in um I, I, I just think that the avenue in which to make it better is to find the right varietals that work for you. This guy found something that worked for his community. Mm-hmm. And he puts a lot of love and intention into those plants, I bet. Mm-hmm. And I think I think there's something there, too. I, I think the intention that that farmer is putting into that product. Well, on the, in a 20 to 1 ratio, you know, what, what it's saying on this bottle is uh, – that's such a dominant amount of CBD in that formulation that it you, you wouldn't really feel that THC. Mm-hmm. What 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 the I'll call it the industry now the CBD industry. Uh, what they have discovered and what some of us understood for a long time was again CBD by itself it, it works but it works better if if you can add some of the other parts of the plant. So that small amount of THC is boosting the efficacy of that bottle. Mm -hmm. Even in that small amount, it's doing more than it would if it wasn't in there, if it was just cannabidiol. And and by that, you know, maybe it's an extra half a drop or just a few extra drops, but you could probably subtly notice that you you would be taking a little bit more if it was just hemp you know Mm. and and then there's outliers that we meet that you know they they tell me that they get stoned on cbd and they don't but i have patients tell me that i can't take that i feel the thc and i'm like it says it has like there's hardly no thc in here like there's no way and they're like yeah i can't take it i feel it so i have that happen too (laughs) well we and we make we make a product that is it has zero percent thc it's it's been removed and and i still get that so 
Mm-hmm. I've had this conversation with people for years that if you if you approach it like a Friday night, it works like a Friday night. And if you approach it like medicine, it works like medicine. I can give the exact same formulation and dose to two different people. Tell one of them that they're going to feel stoned. Tell the other one that they're just going to feel comfortable and the experiences are different. It, it's, it's very much our intent going into mm. – it's interesting how that plant works with our physiology that way that we can create – an experience based on our preconceived notions of what it's going to do when we take it. So that other example of, you know, we, we treat we treat a certain condition and then three months later they tell me two or three others are gone. So mm-hmm. it's not placebo. I didn't have that conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Those just got better. <laughs> and, and they didn't, you know, and, and the conversation usually is, well, and I, I wasn't even thinking about those, Matt, so I didn't, I didn't bring them up when we met, but, but they're gone now. So, um, yeah, it's bigger than placebo. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting how, how you know how how we approach it can uh, can dictate our experience a little bit. So, okay, so let's. Do you want to talk a little bit more about cancer? About what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, especially in the health world, cancer is kind of a tricky subject. Um, and just, do you want to talk a little bit about what you've seen as far as? Um, any changes that you've seen with patients or any studies that you've done yourself or just um, related to how it can help cancer or I don't know, I guess, you know, what you've experienced. It sounds like you're working a lot with cancer. Cancer is a big problem today. A lot of people have cancer. Um, Maybe what are the different aspects about cancer that this can help? So we talked about nausea and nausea for one. Mm Mm-hmm. What else? Um, um, so chronic wasting, just that inability to eat or, um, you know, if you're sick all the time, it, it's difficult to eat. Mm-hmm. And, and when we're, you know, when we're doing everything we can to, to survive something like cancer and then on top of it survive the compounding effects of chemo and radiation or just immunotherapy, a lot of different therapies targeting you know, killing cancer cells, they're rough on the body. So uh, the biggest things that we've seen and that we discuss with everybody is is pain management, uh, nausea and appetite, uh, and sleep. Mm-hmm. Sleep is not a qualifying condition here in the state of Montana, but it is an added benefit of cannabis if you qualify for one of the other conditions. And it, But those four more than anything, and we can't heal without sleep. We can't heal without calories and nutrients going into our body. Um, so the biggest things, you know, the biggest things are trying to create a well-rounded approach to their day. And, and by that, I mean, you know, the, the formulation that I would target, it, it hits all four of those things. You know, it, it first and foremost, as an anti-medic, we got to we got to we got to get rid of that nausea. So. Um, THC and CBD are there to do that, but mainly THC works wonderful as an antiemetic. So, so in comes THC. THC also is what triggers that hunger drive, the munchies. Uh, it's the only molecule in the plant that does that. So it's extremely important. Again, regardless of what somebody tells me, you know, I don't want to feel stoned. It's irrelevant if they're losing weight mm-hmm. in front of me and, and we need to get them eating. So, so how do I get a meeting without getting them stoned? The answer is to introduce cannabidiol in, into that formulation. We can bring down the psychoactivity. I can mm-hmm. sneak in THC like the Trojan horse. <laughs> and, and we can get people eating 
uh, and, and less nauseous. Um, THC also works for sleep. For a lot of people, it works really good. Uh, what I've found over the years is if, if we're taking something during the day, uh, a lot of the time we're sleeping better at night as opposed to if I'm taking this cannabis pill at night with the intention to sleep. If it's too high in THC, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep your mind racing all night. Um, so, so for them, from the minute they wake up till they go to bed, and for a lot of people, my patients over the years, it's been, it's been capsules, it's been ingestion over uh, inhalation. And, and the reason for that is, you know, when we get sick, it's really hard to wrap our heads around the idea of smoking anything. Um, vaporizing is not smoking, but it feels the same. It's still inhaling. So, it, so uh, it became important to make something that was reproducible, and, and so we came up with capsules. And mm. it's it's very proactive in the approach. Uh, when when somebody is ingesting cannabis, I explain that it has to be very proactive in nature, and that we want to build this up in the system, and then keep keep it in the system and stay ahead of these symptoms. And you know, there is a two hour delay in onset when we ingest anything cannabis related because it, it's just it it takes that long to move through the gi tract and and get and get through first pass in the liver um and it seems to be right around that hour 45 to two and a half hour mark that people feel it so um knowing that if, if we're going to ingest it it's every day and it, it's usually you know a three time a day approach or every four hours depending on the severity but uh, we get ahead of the symptoms and it works really good when we treat it that way but you know those four would be would be the biggest, you know, uh, nausea, get somebody, you know, get that, get that appetite stimulation back. Uh, sleeping is usually an added benefit. If it's not, I can target sleep. We can, we can get people sleeping and then pain and pain's a huge one. Mm -hmm. Um, and CBD and THC both work analgesically. So again, in concert, they're working really good. So in a lot of cases, it's one formulation that we can, we can target all four of these symptoms. Sometimes we have to move to, you know, two, um, that's rare, though, for the most part. Uh, and, and for listeners, you know, a one-to-one, -one, a one-to-one -one combination, one part THC, one part CBD. And that's a pretty um, generic reference to formulations nowadays, even in the recreational industry. You go to Washington, you're 21 years old or older, you can go in and buy a one-to-one -one cannabinoid ratio of THC to CBD, and the person behind the counter is going to know what you're asking for. Mm. That's a really, really balanced approach to the plant it it's it's not it's not just over the top psychoactive but we're able to get enough thc to really to really boost that efficacy so um and the other thing you know my my intention and 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 direction in life with respect to cannabis has been uh for my own for my own self-interest in in keeping my family around and 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 loved ones uh, that are you know just friends and family it uh, we've lost a lot of people over the years to cancer in my family uh, and in friends and i'm sick of it uh, and i found out i was hanging out in the methow valley uh on the east side of the cascade mountains yeah that's one of our favorite places yeah it is my favorite place it is amazing yeah and uh my buddy bruce was explained to me how him and his younger son, Matt, who's become a good friend of mine, were able to produce an oil from the cannabis plant that put Bruce's cancer into remission. And, and they had watched this hokey documentary called um, uh, Run from the Cure, is what it's called. And it was produced by a gentleman named Rick Simpson from Nova Scotia, Canada. 
And over a decade ago, Rick kind of went public through the internet showing what wasn't discovered by him, but kind of rediscovered in the sense that the plant has anti-tumoral properties. And he made this low-budget film after he started growing it in his backyard in Canada and giving it to members of the community, and, and diseases started going away, specifically cancer. Uh, so he made this documentary. I, I, I remember Matt and Bruce telling me about it, and I watched the first 10 minutes, 10 minutes of it thinking, well, you know, what am I getting myself into here? This is, uh, it, it just doesn't feel real, but... I gave it another 10 minutes, and, and then I was gripped by it. And I, I ended up finishing the documentary. And essentially what Rick had rediscovered or, or shared with the world is cannabis is, anti, cannabis is anti-tumoral in nature. Um, and, and it's anti-tumoral two ways. Um, cells are created, and, and they're, they're intended to do a job and then self-terminate through a process called cellular apoptosis. Mm-hmm. Um, cancer cells lack that mechanism. They... They don't have the on-off switch of apoptosis, so they can continue to metastasize and grow and, and spread in the body. Um, THC induces apoptosis. We've seen it now in hundreds of peer-reviewed journals that I have. And anecdotally, it's been happening all over the Internet and all over this country and world for the last 10 years. Um, it, it does not work for all forms of cancer, uh, but in certain forms of cancer, THC can recognize radical cells in the body, and it's the only cell in the body that it tells to flip the switch and induce apoptosis. So, mm-hmm. so again, going back to I, you know, there's so many things that we don't understand about this plant. How can how can a plant recognize, you know, a, a, a very specific cell in the body, that cell that shouldn't be there, and and tell it to terminate and and help the rest of them around it? So. So that was powerful to, to learn and understand. And, um, and then cannabidiol has anti-tumoral properties too with respect to breast cancer. Uh, the ID1 protein gene is responsible for metastasis in the body and, and really driving that. Some forms of breast cancer, CBD downregulates that protein. So it, 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 it shuts the production of it off and it's another way to attack cancer. And, and then uh, THC is anti-angio. Genic. So it, it, it uh, is that restricting the new formation of blood vessels? Yep. So it, if, if you cut off the food supply to a tumor, difficult for the tumor to thrive. So, right. so these things have been shown in papers for years. Uh, I stumbled across this hokey documentary. I watched it, and, and then I went down the rabbit hole on research. And, and, and you know, Bruce's uh, experience was proof enough that he was, he was diagnosed with with something and it was supposed to kill him and it didn't and and here we are i think i've known bruce for eight years and he's still alive he's still gardening in the medhow <laughs> valley and he's extremely wow. healthy yeah um and you know that that sent me on a path i i was raised by people that enjoyed sustainable farming they had green thumbs i picked that trade up along the way and my path in life became very clear that i was supposed to try to to try to help people with cancer because it, because I knew how to grow things and, and I had access to a plant that was not a friend to cancer. And, and here we are six years later. Wow. It's so. quite a story. It's been fun. Yeah. And, and sad and, yeah. um, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it's my story. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, we all find that kind of time in our life, like the path, what road do we go down usually? And you sometimes have those profound moments and that just kind of defines, it's like your body realizes this is what I want to do and help people and stuff. And, um, I think that, you know, like I said, there's, there's so many preconceived notions out there, even me having my own preconceived notions and, um, about something like this. And when you start digging into it, like you did, and you start looking at what's actually happening and what's being covered up and not being shared. And there, there are forces that be out there that do not want people to know this information. Like no. you said, they do not want you to know this. So they're going to feed you a story that is, you know, the evil story of the evil thing that's, you know, going to turn you into a evil drug addict or whatever. And it's like, I could even say I've had my own preconceived notions about that. But um, a medicine that you can take that can create balance in your body and does not create addiction, I think, uh, especially based on the fact that we see so many people being addicted to so many um, medications that, uh, you know... Um, it just to me, it's kind of a, it's kind of a no brainer. Mm -hmm. What about, um, other conditions like PTSD? So the anti-anxiety aspect has been pretty powerful for some of the people we've worked with. Um, CBD plays a huge role with anti-anxiety. I, I'm, I'm a skeptic of too much, too much THC. Um, when the approach is medicinal, uh, too much THC can be a bad thing. So I'm not, I'm not speaking towards recreational and just unwinding, but, mm -hmm. um, so, so we're careful, you know, with PTSD in, in anything that, um, you know, there, there can be a flight response if, if, um, if that anxiety crops up on them and that, that response can be dangerous. I remember working with a woman that, um, around the same time every, every evening, she, she had a flight response to leave her house and she would leave her house in anything that she was wearing in any climate. Um, and, and she just had to get out of her house. She was so, so two in the morning, you know, in a robe, she'd be walking around in 10 degree weather in, in Bozeman, Montana, typical December weather And it. Yeah. And so it was extremely dangerous for her And it. Um, so we worked to try to reduce that trigger in it. Um, and, 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 and we were helpful and, and not helpful in some ways, but, but, um, a lot of people have benefited with respect to anxiety and, and PTSD driving it in it. Um, and, and I, I, I encourage people to try it. I really do. Mm -hmm. I think that in my experience, a little bit of THC helps. I, uh, that disassociative nature of THC, if it's small enough in, in, in concert with a, a greater amount of CBD, it, it works. It works just enough to let go for that instant of of that trauma, um, and then the CBD is just there, just reinforcing that feeling of of washing anxiety away. So, it, hemp oil on its own, just CBD, it can work, um, but. Uh, it works even better with a little bit of THC involved. So, and maybe that's why this works a little bit better for me than just the farm, the hemp oil ones that I was taking. Um, mm -hmm. even though this is hemp, but it's got a little bit higher dose of THC. Yeah. But not so much like the other one that I have that I can't 
it's, I don't get restful sleep at night. Like it's like a fine balance, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think too, PTSD or anxiety just in general is another big health crisis that we we're dealing with now, especially in our military. And I mean, natural disasters and like all the things that have been happening to, you know, in people's lives, even getting the diagnosis of cancer, I'm sure creates, creates that. In creates people. a lot of it. Yeah. You know, and, and some of the drugs that are, that are prescribed to treat it, benzodiazepines, oh, yeah. and, uh, they're really harmful, very addictive, um, in a lot of the conversation that we have with people, a lot of the conversation I have with people, and it's unfortunate, but it's the reality of cannabis is they're at the end of the road. Um, the physicians are out of answers. They're they're at their wits end of things to throw out a patient mm-hmm. with respect to drugs. So it, it's almost like, well, just give them pot then. And, and that has changed in the last couple of years where we're starting to see it as a first line um, of, of defense for, for certain things. But um, it... When I started this, it was, it was it was this reactive. All right, well, nothing works. So so here's my patient, and good luck with him. Is kind of how I felt in it. Um, mm. Well, kind of last last ditch efforts, right? And they've used everything else, but then by the time you see these patients, they're addicted to benzos, right. and I mean benzos are, I think, I mean they're worse if not they're right up there with opioids. I mean they're. They're so hard to get people off of benzos. It takes a long time and people don't understand and their doctor may not even tell them like you cannot stop this drug cold turkey. You, you may die Mm -hmm. or end up like you will end up in the hospital. I can guarantee you that. But, um, they just, and there's so many people on them. They put people on for sleep and it's like, they're not telling the patient, well, you're, I'm giving you the sleep medication and you're going to be very addicted to this. Yeah. Like if you quit this, your heart could stop really frustrating. And I find that it's hard to get people off bed benzodiazepines. Well, and the, so the conversation is, you know, somebody desperate that walks in and says, I, I, I have to get off this, you know, for, for my own well being, it, it, yeah. it, it, it has to happen. Um, in, in the, you know, the, the beautiful thing about cannabis is it, um, there's not there's there's really no interaction with other drugs there's 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 subtle interactions with a couple um but for the most part you know we can integrate cannabis into their life they don't have to change the dose that they're on benzos opioids anything that they're looking to get off of um and we can slowly integrate cannabis in and then start working in a healthy direction mm-hmm. um and we've seen really positive results with respect to benzos in general but um it's doable in mm-hmm. it and 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 cannabis is there is this buffer you know both physically and mentally as people are tapering off some of this stuff and then and then the experience for us has been that it can totally replace those things in another 10 years are we going to be seeing that these cannabidiols and these things are actually creating well, we're going to have to have this talk in 10 years. Yeah, in 10 years. <laughs> I mean... I think in five years, we're going to know. I mean, yeah. every, every six months, it, it's amazing how much research is coming out right now. But to that end, if if there's any truth in that, then how can somebody argue that we're just sitting killing brain cells? So, right, yeah. Uh, and I've, I've met a lot of intelligent people over the years, architects, engineers, politicians. I, I, I in, in a lifetime of using this and... Uh, 
used appropriately, uh, responsibly, have you know, however you want to put it, within within the limits of of what they were able to handle throughout their life, they're extremely competent, intelligent human beings. Mm-hmm. Years later, mm-hmm. um, and if anything, they're they're a lot more outside the box thinking. And it, uh, I think, you know, it, we we should all have a little bit more of that in us as well. So. Mm-hmm. As long as there's reason behind it. Right. Yeah. So what what about for people who don't have access to someone like you? What do they do? <laughs> well, I that's been a difficult question to answer over the years. You know, um, a few years ago, a, a young girl named Charlotte Fiji was treated um, for Dravet syndrome, a very, very severe mm-hmm. form of epilepsy with, with CBD oil and... Um, I think I think her story is her family ended up having to relocate to Colorado mm-hmm. to be able to get it. She may have lived there, but but what happened was is she spurred this movement in the country where mothers or fathers were leaving the rest of the family behind and moving to Colorado so that they could get access to this to CBD oil for for children with these symptoms. So it, um, that's the extreme case, you know. If you if you feel like if you feel like you could benefit from it, my suggestion would be to to find a place where you can vet getting it and trying it. And depending on your response, then you have to make a decision. How you know, um, you know, for people with Crohn's and and life threatening illnesses, it it's a no brainer for some people. Mm-hmm. If they if they can't legally have it, then they need to move somewhere where they can find it. Uh, this conversation would have been really hard to have ten years ago. It was mm-hmm. extremely limited. We're moving in a forward direction every day with respect to policy changing. And like I say, I think in the next three to five years, we're going to, I think everyone is probably going to be able to have access to it. But mm-hmm. um, CBD is something, there's a few states that have mandated that even CBD isn't allowed. But for the most part, you can get it anywhere you live. So I think it's a really good, that's a really good jumping off point to try something. Mm-hmm. Um I encourage people to try it for a couple of weeks, you know, versus don't try it for two days. And if it doesn't mm-hmm. work, give up on it. Make the investment, you know, in it. And and by that, I, I would suggest anywhere from 20 to 60 milligrams a day, uh, depending on what you're going through. And, and that's an investment. Um, mm-hmm. But it, but give it two weeks to a month and, and really see if, if you're seeing improvements. And if you are, you know, it, um, then start doing the research in in. Because uh, it's there, it's it's not hidden. There's so much of it out there, and and I'm not talking about just um, you know what Dr. Oz said yesterday. There there's peer-reviewed journals all over. Did Dr. Oz talk about it yesterday? Well, a lot of people are talking <laughs> about it. Uh, uh, Sanjay Gupta, he's been a huge yeah. ad- for years. He was against it, and he's a huge advocate, and that's powerful. You know these short clips that he's making, and I I'm a hundred percent behind him, but. Um, you know, I, I think that's a place for people to find direction. But Google Scholar and, and, and sources like that are where you can really start going down the rabbit hole on what it's actually doing in our body. And, and that's the stuff that matters. And it exists. It's just you have to be able to source it and find it. But uh, I encourage everybody I meet to research as much as they can I, yeah. with anything in life. But yeah. especially this because, because again, I mean, it's, with CBD, it's, you know, the nature of it right now is there's not a lot of regulation. So, so what does that mean? If, if there's not a lot of regulation and there's a whole bunch of access, then it's up to us as consumers and growers, providers to educate the world and educate ourselves so that we're giving people the correct stuff. 
uh, and that as a consumer, you're buying the correct stuff. So uh, get educated, people. <laughs> yeah, with everything. I mean, that's what this podcast is about today. It's like, you know, I think that um, if we just stick our head in the sands about a lot of things, and I hate to say it, if we just listen to our doctor, who in a lot of cases doesn't even understand the biochemistry of this kind of stuff, um, it can be detrimental. Um, and I be the first to say, I, I have a lot of people ask me questions about this and I've been taking this stuff and I think it works and I couldn't really exactly, you know, tell people exactly why, but I know that when I was putting patients on it, that seemed indicated it was working. And so that's the whole thing anecdotally, right? Like we talk a lot about in medicine, this whole like, uh, proven like versus anecdotal. So if they have studies on it and they can prove it, then it must be right. And anecdotally, it's just anecdotal. Like, and that, that happens a lot in clinical practice. So we just see over and over again that people get better with it. And so we anecdotally just start prescribing it because it works, right? It doesn't necessarily mean there's tons of research. Um, and then eventually we'll either see the research catch up or we find that there is research out there. It's just been covered up. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I think it's, it's good to be your own doctor in a lot of ways. You know, you can do that nowadays. It used to be <laughs> Google, like you said, Google scholar is a great place to, to dive into the, to the uh, research. Well, and I, I, I guess I'd leave everybody with this point and it, it's the reason that cannabis is gaining so much traction right now in, in our country and around the world is in, in those 5,000 years, some people say it's longer than that, that we've seen documented use of it. Not a single person has ever overdosed and died. Not one. And I, I challenge anybody to go find a contradicting report of that online. Uh-huh. A credible report. Um, you can, we can take too much of it, and, and um, the causation of taking too much can be death through maybe an accident, mm-hmm. um, you know, driving a car. Um, but, but it's impossible. People have tried to... to to, to prove that, to disprove it, and it, it can't be done. It, we cannabis cannot kill us. Mm. <laughs> so it, it um, I, I think that point right there is so powerful for p- people to understand. You know, if if there's that much versatility in a plant and it can't kill us, what's the harm in trying it? Mm-hmm. So yeah, great to leave us with. Well, Matt, I appreciate you doing this for us. Um, if anybody wants to get in contact with you, how do they get in contact with you? Uh, <clears throat> we have a website, naturopudics.com. Um, websites are foreign to me. I, I mean, this has been a very local effort. So yeah. um, <clears throat> what I would say is reach out to me through that website, and there's a contact form. And we will definitely get back to people via email, and then I can call them, and we can start these conversations. So Okay. Yeah. Can you work? Do people have to come in, or can you work? Distance. Um, distance, I can work within the bounds of Montana, um, so long as they have a medical marijuana card, and we can help mm-hmm. people get them if they don't know how to. So, okay. um, there, there's doctors in this community here in Montana that um, they're advocates of it, and if they see reason for somebody to try it, they, they'll be 100% behind a patient that wants to give this a shot. So, we can put you in touch with those people and and I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions. You know, part of what I've done for years is I've had people call me from all over the country, you know, friends of other friends. And <clears throat> we really just like answering questions around here and trying to educate. So um, it doesn't have to be a uh, you working with me. If you're if you're curious about what you have or what you might be looking at getting, I might be able to answer questions. Wow. That's a great resource. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, I appreciate you spending this time with us. Yeah. We both got to go to work now. Yes, we do. So, okay. Have a good day. Yeah, you Thanks, too. Thanks, Matt. The Stealthy Hunter website and the Hunt Harvest Health podcast is for general health information only. Dr. Hillary Lampers, Ryan Lampers, and the Stealthy Hunter Hunt Harvest Health brand does not diagnose, prescribe, or replace the services of a health professional. Any questions regarding your own health should be addressed to your own primary care physician or other health care provider.